Welcome to Literary Quest, a podcast hosted by us, Vicki and Marissa, where we discuss our favorite and fantasy fiction and hopefully can direct you in your quest to find your next great read. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Literary Quest. This week we're discussing Barbarian Mind, which is book four in the Ice Planet Barbarian series by Ruby Dixon. I'll introduce our characters and locations, and Vicki will discuss our plot. So let's start with our location first. This book is set on a planet called by the, the humans that crash into it, Not Hoth. So Not Hoth is a frozen alien planet that is populated by blue aliens called the Sakui, who are hosts to a parasitic symbiont called a Kui that protects them from the harsh temperatures on not Hoth, heals them to some extent when they're injured, and allows them to breathe in the poisonous air in the atmosphere. The Sakui are read, led by Bechtel, who mates with Georgie, a human female who was instrumental in the human's release from the little green men who kidnaps them in the first book in this series. So in Barbarian Mine, our female lead is named Harlow. She was kidnapped by the little green men and had been diagnosed with a non-operable brain tumor prior to being kidnapped. Before this book, so in the book leading up to this, she and some of the other inhabitants of Not Hoth had ventured to an abandoned spaceship that still had like a functional infirmary on the planet and she was told by the uh, infirmary robot that her tumor that she was diagnosed with was gone thanks to her cooey and then we have rook who is our male lead character he is a big blue alien who has lived alone for the majority of his life his father was cast out by the tribe before he was even born and so rook was raised alone by his father who died when rook was seven as a result of living alone, he has either forgotten or never properly learned the native language of the Sakui and is generally pretty unkempt and lacking in social skills. Okay, so the book opens with Harlow running to get help, believing that some of her friends were injured and possibly dead. However, before she's able to get help, she is clubbed over the head and kidnapped. When she wakes up, she finds herself in the cave with a very dirty and very naked blue alien, Rook. She quickly realizes that her Kui has resonated with his. This makes them both intensely aroused and attracted to each other. They are both able to resist, though, as they need to understand each other. Rook does not speak English or the native language, so communication is almost impossible. Harlow tries to speak with him and uses gestures to let him know that she wants to leave, Rook makes it clear that she will be staying with him. Naturally, Harlow tries to escape, but he is able to catch her with ease. Realizing that escape is impossible, Harlow decides to make the best of her situation. There is a long period of time where the two of them get to know each other. Harlow teaches Rook some words, which improves their relationship. Rook is also eager to keep Harlow safe and happy. He does his best to make sure she is warm and fed. Harlow is resourceful and is able to make the cave more homey. She's able to skin animals and make blankets and furs for herself. She shows Rook how to make a fire and shows him the benefits of cooked food. 
their romantic relationship starts to intensify. This makes Ruth even more determined to keep her safe. One day, while they are bathing, they notice other blue aliens. Ruth calls them the bad ones and makes Harlow abandon the cave. This distresses Harlow, but Ruth insists it's to keep her safe. Ruth decides that the best place to go is the ocean, as it is isolated and is much warmer than their current location. On their way, Harlow begins to realize that they need to have sex soon in order to appease the cooey, as pushing it off is making her ill. Rook doesn't understand at first, but he quickly figures it out. They continue their journey and eventually make it to the ocean. They create a home in a large cave. Then there is a one-year time jump. Uh, Harlow and Rook are able to communicate much better. He is essentially fluent in English at this point, and Harlow is 10 months pregnant. Unfortunately, it is a difficult pregnancy. Despite Harlow insisting she is fine, it is clear that something is wrong. She has severe pain in her side, and even though she sleeps a lot, she is never fully rested. One day, some blue aliens arrive, along with a human woman, Liz. Liz was Harlow's friend, and she is thrilled to see her again. Rook is upset and uncomfortable with having strangers, especially the bad ones, near his home. However, when Liz explains that something is wrong with Harlow and that she needs to see a healer, he agrees to go with them. At this point, Harlow is so sick that she must be carried and even sleeps through entire days. When they finally arrive at camp, Harlow is taken to the healer, who explains that the Kui is working extra hard because of Harlow's brain tumor. The healer works with Harlow, and she improves significantly. Harlow is happy to be back with her fellow humans, but also misses the solitude of their home on the ocean. Rook, on the other hand, is not very happy to be there, even though he finds out he has a brother. When Harlow delivers, it is a quick delivery, and everyone is happy and healthy. They must get a Kui for their new son quickly so that he can survive on not Hoth. Rook reveals to Harlow that his intention is to leave Harlow and their newborn after they get his Kui. So what will happen? Spoilers ahead. So had you read this one before? Yeah, I've read this one before. Okay. Yeah, I read it too. Cool. Yep. Uh, Ruby Dixon books like this is less than 200 pages long. It's just a nice palate cleanser, which is good after we read like a really long story or a really intense story like the last one that we read. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's like candy, basically. We got multiple explicit sex scenes relatively early in the story. It's pretty short. It's pretty sweet. The like threat of... bad things happening to our main characters is pretty low so anxiety is low and the love interest is like primarily focused on making sure that our female lead is happy and bringing her pleasure so there's a lot of things to like about that Mm -hmm. yes (laughs) it is it's a nice you're not anxious that something terrible is gonna happen you know it'll be wrapped up in the end it's sort of like a sitcom right yeah you know, after 30 minutes, everything will be happy again. That's right. Everything's going to be fine. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. So the struggle with these books is that it kind of feels like we're endorsing Stockholm Syndrome. Yeah. Like they they land on the planet after being kidnapped and have no choice but to stay on the planet really and, uh, so does it still count as Stockholm Syndrome if you have been abandoned on an alien planet and how's the parasite that causes you to 
want to have sex with the aliens. See, I do kind of have a little bit of just like a problem. It just, it's not my favorite. Yeah. <laughs> um, because the cooey, right, is what makes them attracted mm-hmm. to each other, right? Which yeah. is sort of like faded mates, but okay. But the other thing is that it bugs them until they have sex so that they can have a kid. Yeah. And it's like a nightmare for me. <laughs> yes. Like, I would hate that. I don't want to have a kid. I would be pushing it off until, I guess, I don't know, I would die from from that. And- Sexual frustration. Yeah. <laughs> And then you find she out. She masturbated to death. <laughs> <laughs> Rubbed her clitoris right off. <laughs> oh. So. <laughs> <laughs> we also find out in this book, though, that, like, the Kui can resonate with somebody else and you not fall in love with that person. Yeah. Because that's what happens with Rook's dad and his mom. Yeah. And so that would make it even worse. Yeah, that doesn't feel like choice, right? It doesn't feel right. like there's a choice there. You don't get to choose if you're actually attracted to someone because your cooey is res- it's telling you that you need to have sex with the alien. So mm-hmm. are you actually attracted to it? Because you can't live without the cooey. You will literally die. So it's either die or consume the parasite that will make you want to bone big blue aliens. Mm-hmm. And get pregnant. And get pregnant. That's the hot. And that's the part that sucks. Like. Mm-hmm. Pretty much everything about this story would be literally a nightmare for me. It's cold. It snows all the time. There's no like fleece, like soft things. Everything is leather. They don't eat fleece, like a lot of meat. I don't hear I'm talking about vegetables. Uh, It's cold. You live in a cave. It's really cold. And... There's no birth control. You have to have sex or you will lose your mind. And that means you have to get pregnant and potentially have a three-year gestation period. Yeah. I might just let the poisonous air kill me (laughs) at that point. Just take a walk in the snow and never come back. (laughs) Because that sounds, it just doesn't sound. It all sounds bad, except for the giant blue alien with this spur thing above their penis that is very dedicated to making you orgasm. Yes, yes. Like that yes. sounds great. Pro co- that's in the pro column, but there's a lot more in the con column. Yeah. There is. And I mean a ice planet sounds kind of cool when you think about it and pretty, right? You think, oh, that sounds pretty and stuff. But then if you actually had to go live on an ice planet or anywhere cold, like perpetually cold, miserable terrible i please let's look at the lion the witch and the wardrobe were the people happy no was mr tumnus enjoying his life under the rulership of the ice queen Mm-mm. nope oh. it wasn't a good time it was cold all the time mm-hmm. yep yeah yeah <laughs> no <laughs> Please reference Mr. Tumnus. (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean it sounds like a bad deal. Like I, uh, I don't, I don't want it. So I don't know. There's no amount of orgasms that would make that okay for me. You know? Yeah. Yep. And I just yeah, the lack of modern like amenities too. You know? They don't even have books. Can you imagine? No. 
What do you do all what day? What do you do? I guess you just tan high. Craft? Yeah. Make, I mean, eventually you're going to run out of like the need for leather blankets and bags and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You just keep having babies until you die. Just baby after baby. Mm-hmm. Until your cooey gives up. <laughs> oh, God. And how they put the cooey in, too, sounds pretty traumatic. They, like, cut the throat and shove it in there, don't they? Yeah. Well, yes. And I feel bad for it. So they take it from this big, I picture a woolly wham- mammoth. Okay. Yeah. yeah. The, mm-hmm. It's called, like, a sakok. There's, like, a T-T-S-K. I don't know. I can't say it. Like, this woolly mammoth thing. So they have to kill one. Well... They kill one of those creatures just for one person, right? Yeah. and well, It feels it, like a lot of animal waste. <laughs> it really does. And well, it mentions at some point that they, like when they take, so it's in the heart of these animals. Yeah. Right? It's heartworms. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> but there's more than one in the heart. So like, do they take them all and save them? No, do they kill one each time and throw out the rest of these cooey that were in there? I guess. I mean, if you only have one person that needs a cooey, that's just so wasteful. Seems wasteful because then you've got all these other cooeys. Not to mention, I mean, I guess I could eat the animal, right? But we might eat the animal and skin it and all that, whatever. I mean, maybe they do. Like that's not wasteful. I don't know. It just seems like a lot. It does. But if you don't, then the person literally dies. Mm -hmm. And those things are not easy to take down. It takes a whole bunch of people. Yes, it does. And they, so it took six people to take down a baby one at the end of this book. Can you imagine mm-hmm. a grown-up? Be a lot. Yep. Yep. So. Got some problems on knockoff. Yeah, I wouldn't want to live here. These people are okay with it. Uh, if I remember correctly, the aliens that kidnapped these women took people who weren't having just the best lives anyway mm-hmm. it's not like the i mean harlow would have been dead right if they hadn't taken her so <laughs> yeah that's true that's it's not true. like they had a much better option i guess but it was still an option right they still had choice here mm-hmm. they don't really have choice it's either become a host or die so you know what you could do so the kui like has to find another one to resonate with you could just avoid the the men folk yeah you know and then you wouldn't have to worry about that that's true and i'm assuming that because the whole thing the cooey gets so like upset i guess if you don't reproduce mm-hmm. it wouldn't work it wouldn't resonate with another woman yeah that's shitty too if somebody's oh, you know that is yeah <laughs> that would be terrible yeah. What to, if you're gay? Yeah. Exactly. Bi. I guess if you're bi, I don't know. I don't or know. asexual. What if you just didn't want to have sex? I know. Yep. Or Which just be great. Reproduce or have kids, right? You yeah. don't want to do any of that. Yep. But I mean, not everybody resonates with somebody, right? Because they have there's a bunch of women that that end up in the caves. 
and they don't all resonate with another person. Like there's, right. there's, and just because you do resonate with someone doesn't mean that you have to stay with them. Mm-hmm. So there is that. Yeah. It'll just be really, really difficult. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, but kind of going back, I guess, but Stockholm syndrome, I mean, do you think Harlow has Stockholm syndrome kind of on top of Stockholm syndrome? I think, I mean, really, if we're going to call what Harlow, I think we have to call it all uh, Stockholm syndrome. Okay. (laughs) Honestly, I feel like stock, it's kind of like when Alanis Morissette wrote the, the song Ironic, and I used to know what ironic meant, and now that I know that that song exists and everything that she talks about is not actually ironic, I don't really understand irony anymore. I told, I, I yeah, I was talking okay. to see you one time, and I said Alanis Morissette has confused an entire generation of people about the meaning of ironic. Yeah, so... I feel that way about Stockholm syndrome now because I feel like I used to understand Stockholm syndrome, but it shows up in so many of our books these days. I don't know what's truly Stockholm syndrome anymore. What is it? Is this it? I don't understand anymore. (laughs) When it happens in romance, it's not Stockholm syndrome. When it happens in like mystery or some true crime thing or something, then it's Stockholm syndrome. Okay. Yeah. okay there you go so then do you think carla has stockholm syndrome i don't know i mean she gave up pretty quickly trying to escape and was just like fine i guess this is my life now yeah so and part of her motivation for that was that she was afraid that the two so she was afraid that i think it was kira maybe Mm -hmm. that was taken by the other aliens when she was at the start of the book and the alien ship crashed into a mountainside. So she thought Kara was dead. And then Ehako and another alien were with her at that time. And so she thought they were dead too. So her motivation was in part that she didn't want to return because she thought everyone would be mad at her because people died. Mm. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know that it's, I don't, I wouldn't call this Stockholm syndrome really. Do you think she should have tried harder to escape? I mean, she she like tried once maybe, but then she was like, "Nah, I think I think I'll just stay here, I guess." I think I I do think she adjusted very quickly, which is good, but I I think that probably was her best option. She would have died out there most mm-hmm. likely, right? And I I mean, he would just continually catch her if she kept trying to escape. So, yeah. you know, I guess yeah but even when she had been with him for a week and they went to take a bath he saw the he calls them the bad ones the other people from the sakui tribe they came up uh, they came up and he like panicked that could have been her moment she could have had a hey we're over here thing and she didn't i know i thought i had that same thought i was why wouldn't she like wave her arms and be like hey over here yeah yeah. So maybe because maybe it was because she was resonating. Yeah, that's true. Overwhelmed. Oh yeah. The hormones. Mm-hmm. The hormones. The sexual tension. Yeah. That's what I she think... did. Oh, sorry. Oh, go, go ahead. 
I was going to say, that's when she distracts him with the blowjob, right? Yes. Yeah. She calls herself a dick-sucking unicorn, I think. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Where is that mythical creature? (laughs) I feel like unicorns would not be great at sucking dick. I definitely feel like you would get stabbed in the abdomen. Oh, yeah. You'd be speared and not in a good way. 100%. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Would not be great. Um, I feel like Harlow was pretty smart. I liked her as a female lead. She talks about when she is taken by Rook and she wakes up, she talks about how she needs to create fire because obviously that's not something he knows how to do, how to create fire and how that was one of the first things that they learned when they came to the planet was how to a little bit of survival stuff, how to take care of themselves, how to look for the things that they can use to build fire with. She keeps like a piece of steel around her neck on a necklace so that she can build a fire if she need to needs to she learned how to tan skins and like has learned how to hunt a little bit and skin critters so she can take care of herself to some extent which i think is really smart considering the terrible environment that they live in yes i agree yeah i was impressed by that that was smart to have the um like flint around her neck yeah it's called i think so Maybe. I don't, know. I don't know how to start fires. I couldn't tell you. Beyond just using a lighter, I'm in trouble if I'm ever stuck on an ice planet. Me too. Cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, mm-hmm. oh, were you about to say something? No, go ahead. So, and then we have Rook who has no social skills or any awareness of his bodily, fun- bodily functions, it seems like right he's really confused by having an erection (laughs) (laughs) this never happened before i guess not he seems to understand it It has to do with attraction because he does say he's like confused and upset i guess that he gets hard when the thing is ugly and pale yeah so but he does then does seem surprised when like he comes Yes. Yeah. Like sit in the dirt. That was gross. Yeah. It was gross. Do with it, he but... was gross. He was gross initially. Mm-hmm. Liter- like literally unbathed, unkempt, mm-hmm. matted <laughs> hair. Disgusting. I, yes. That was one of my thoughts the hair, right? It, so mm-hmm. he was seven years old when his dad died. So he's been on his own since he was seven. And Probably hasn't had a bath since then. Hasn't brushed his hair. Then I think their teeth. I I don't know. I mean, maybe the chewy kind of because I was like, you know, cavities and your teeth falling out. But yeah, maybe the chewy helps with that. Mm -hmm. Maybe I don't know. But I just kept thinking about eventually. Mm-hmm. Harlow pulls him over to her because she's freezing, mm. right? And like gets herself naked and uses his body heat. And then they do like some quote petting, right? So she, he, I think he like comes on her stomach and he like fingers her, it sounds like. And mm-hmm. I was just thinking, can you imagine how dirty mm-hmm. his fingers are? 
No. I guess maybe the cooey prevents against UTIs and yeast infections. Maybe. Yeah. That's, that's, that would be nice, you I, know? Yeah. Then you don't have to worry about dirty fingernails, but still. Still, it's, it's kind of gross. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and then he sees her breasts and calls them teats. And I'd never thought about how much I hated the word teats until I saw it so many times. And I was like, oh, I, I hate this. Well, he also, it's interesting because he kind of undresses her, right? Mm-hmm. And touches her. Mm-hmm. Sexual assault. But I guess he's just confused. I don't know. It's never brought up again after. He I don't think it. he's ever seen a woman before. But he understands. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I would feel weird about it. Like he has teats. Maybe he doesn't. Right. Because he has nipples. Yeah. So maybe he just doesn't recognize them as being like a sexual thing because if his only reference for breasts has been like animals yeah right mm-hmm. breasts aren't really like a sexual f- nipples i'm assuming i'm assuming that nipples are not a sexual thing to an- other mammals maybe they are and i don't know about it and if that's true it's an opportunity for somebody to educate me but like I feel like I've never, I, I don't know. I'm not going to continue with that line of thinking because <laughs> it's making me feel weird. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we will move away from it. So also, he notices that she has little dots on her. Oh, yeah. Right? It's cute. They're freckles. He tries to rub them away. Mm-hmm. Although, <laughs> so he hits her over the head, right? Mm-hmm. That he's like she's not that injured but then later on he mentions she has a gash like in her head yeah and oh i think that that's from when she from the previous book because oh. leading up to that there's an interaction with the other aliens the ones that originally brought the humans to the planet mm-hmm. and that's why ehako and the other Tsukui alien are injured and she has to go and get sticks for Trevois. Gotcha. So I think that she got that because that gash is on like her forehead. Mm-hmm. Right. And he hit her across the back of the head. Yes, that's right. Okay. So I think that's from, but still not the best way to start a relationship. Mm-mm. No. And if he wasn't so sweet, would be pretty problematic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's hilarious. I th- I think it's with like the first time she runs away from him. She he catches her and she says that she like fights him so hard that her breasts just pop out of her jacket. Okay, I was wondering that. <laughs> I want. I need to know what they are wearing because he basically like he didn't have to take a shirt off. I guess no. it must be laced in the front. I guess. I don't know, but yes, I know her boobs. <laughs> uh, well, also, okay. So you know how we make fun of male authors when they write like romance books and then women about women's boobs and bodies yeah. and stuff. We do have a line in here where it's my breasts heave angrily, and I. <laughs> And I understand she I means she's breathing hard, basically, right? Yes. But still, that's what it made me think of. That's Angry pretty funny. Breasts. From now on, anytime I'm like 
breathing hard. Are you angry? <laughs> or is this just fatigue? <laughs> Let's ask the right and then the left. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. That is, I, I don't think I caught that one, but that is pretty funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you. Her, his uh, trying to figure out her freckles was really cute. They take a bath together and she washes him, mm-hmm. which I can't imagine how satisfying that must have been. Can you imagine you have a man? It's like those videos on TikTok of people like cleaning rugs, right? Oh, yeah. Have you watched those where yes. it's just like process after process of process of dirt being removed and then they scrub it and then they spray it and then they suck it all out and then they scrub it and they spray it and then they shampoo it and then they suck it all out right Mm -hmm. it is so satisfying to watch that is what I'm picturing with this bath with Rook she gets him into a hot spring and she just goes to town (laughs) I bet it was so and then his hair can you imagine how satisfying and probably frustrating also brushing out his hair was Mm -hmm. I bet it was just like the best experience Yes. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But then he, she gives him the bath, right? And then he is like, yeah, I'll do the same for you. I'm going to wipe the shit off your face. (laughs) (laughs) She's like, no, that's part of me. (laughs) So I think the first time she sees his penis she says it reminds her of her forearm in both length and girth (laughs) what (laughs) absolutely not absolutely not can you so anytime I read a description like that I have to look at my forearm or like when the when the penis is so big that their fingertips don't meet hand automatically goes up Mm-hmm. So that I can visual, like, I know how big my forearm is. There's absolutely no way, but I need to look at it <laughs> just to verify. Absolutely not. <laughs> it's just, I read that and I was like, why is she not running now? Like, I that's mean, a good reason to run. <laughs> I guess the, the her cooey mm-hmm. would heal her organs they call it a cootie yeah they call it a cootie i was gonna say i guess that the cooey would heal her cooter right if it destroyed her cervix so maybe uh yeah i mean people do fisting that's true whole people come out of vaginas mm-hmm. so it's not that although Vaginas are not vaginas are not deep enough for a whole forearm to fit inside of them. Like that's not a thing. Uh yeah, it's a no. It's a no for me, dog. <laughs> yeah. It's an absolutely not. But he his experience of sexual contact is really cute like it's just such a novel experience for him um and he he's just so amazed by harlow and her uh dick sucking unicorn abilities and orgasm like Mm -hmm. it's all just extraordinary to him Mm -hmm. it's pretty cute 
And I, I love that he is also super into her pleasure. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Well, and so be- so willing to be taught because he has no idea. Everything that he knows about sex, he learns from Harlow. So she, with no language for mm-hmm. that matter. You know, you talk about like communication and couples, right? Mm-hmm. And we have whole language abilities that we use to talk to each other every single day. They didn't even speak. He didn't speak a language at all. Mm-hmm. And yet still. Carla was able to communicate things like fire and pleasure. And it's just extraordinary points to Harlow. Yeah, she did a good job. She did a good job. Mm -hmm. She taught him how to kiss. Mm -hmm. Oh, the scene with oral. So eventually they, they move and he provides oral for Harlow. Mm hmm. And his like internal monologue in that little scene was so cute because he was thinking, well, if I can, if I kiss her face with my mouth, what happens if I do it down here? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. It was cute. I liked his character because of that too, you know, yeah, that little bit of just innocence and like, oh my gosh, sexual mm-hmm. pleasure. It's amazing. Yeah. Well, he's very dedicated to Harlow too. Mm-hmm. There's certainly a lot of like possession that goes in. And if you're if you're into that, like you go. There's a lot of it in this book. Harlow is mine. She's my mate. Mm-hmm. I'm going to keep her. Right? Mm-hmm. Like the big red monster in uh, the Bugs Bunny cartoons. Mm-hmm. I will love it and keep it and pet it and stroke it. Mm-hmm. Never let it go. Yep. Never let it go. Uh, unless she wants to live in the communal cave and then I will think about abandoning her. So. Oh my God. I have so much <laughs> to say on that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so they take their bath. The bad ones show up and Rook makes them abandon their cave. And I got so annoyed with him in that moment because at this point, Harlow and Rook had been together for a week. So she had spent that week working finding supplies for fires, taking animals that he had killed, skinning them, starting the tanning process. Like she had started making like pillows and blankets and stuff. They had supplies. And so he sees the bad ones and immediately abandons everything that they have. Takes Harlow, starts running. I was so frustrated. I was too. She put all that work in Mm -hmm. for stuff that she actually needed. Yeah, like if it was just trinkets, I guess, or something like that, decorations, okay. But she's cold. She gets cold. She's human. She needs She can die. Cold. Yeah. Yeah. He's just like, I'll keep her warm. Okay. Yeah. But blankets are better. Yeah. Well, and then he says that he feels some shame when she's uh she's crying, right? Because yeah. she spent all that time. But also she is basically that's the end of like her hope for being able to see those other people again. Um, So she's really frustrated. She starts crying is somehow still soothing him. And he, he has a moment where he feels shame because he's not taking good care of his human and he deserves it in that moment. Like you should feel bad. She's your mate. 
he doesn't know she's his mate yet, but she's the person that you have kidnapped and basically forced to stay with you and you're not doing the things to take care of her. He should feel bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah he, do- yeah, he mentions being like, oh, I'm failing at taking care of her. True facts. You are. You sure are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so mean. You're a failure. And <laughs> bad. I mean, no. He was seven when he was not abandoned, but right, yeah. I mean, he's doing the best that he can. His best just doesn't involve very good taking care of a fragile human. Mm-hmm. So it would be really hard after spending. I don't know how old they say he is. Yeah, I think they do say it at some point, but like twenty turns maybe or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but. It's got to be hard after living that many years only worrying about yourself. Right. And then adding somebody on who has different needs. needs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Different needs. And yeah. All yeah. That. I'm sure. I I know. I'm being unfair to poor Rook. <laughs> but if I were Harlow, I'd be doing more than crying. Oh, yeah. I would turn. I would want to try to turn around and go back. Yeah. But they don't. They go forward to an ice beach uh, with scorpion, crab, spider creatures. Mm-hmm. Absolutely not. No, thank you. It sounds nightmarish. It sounds cool, though. When it's described, yeah. it's, it's described as green, I think, mm-hmm. instead of the blue that's on Earth, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would hate to be at the beach if that being cold and mm-hmm green like that <laughs> i guess yeah i wonder if they have like gigantic sea monsters sounds I like they, would. they do i bet they do mm-hmm. i bet they do too not hoth definitely seems like a place to have giant sea monsters 100 mm-hmm. percent. yeah I would die if um i had to live on a beach just off of seafood i hate it so much <laughs> why i don't like seafood i don't like the way it tastes and the way a lot of it the texture of it yeah. too don't really like that so i mean i guess i would have to suck it up oh yeah it. or die i mean i might die i don't know <laughs> i don't know well, she mentions clams like similar mm-hmm. things to clams i definitely don't like clams but I think they have other critters to eat besides just. Yeah, they've got that. And then they've got those scorpions that taste like lobster. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, you would have to adapt. Yeah, I'm sure that I, I don't know. They have salt, just very heavily salted yeah. or something. Yes, they have salt. Yeah. 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 Uh, so when they get to the beach, Rook takes her, he takes Harlow to see his father's grave, I guess. Yeah. And then he has a cave for them to live in and they finally have sex. Harlow cannot resist the resonance anymore. Mm-mm. She is overcome with dick fever and must state her desires. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. So these aliens have a they call it a spur Mm -hmm. it's a protrusion sounds like that is very sensitive to them that sits above their penis 
which is probably good for clitoral stimulation, maybe a little bit of anal play. Mm-hmm. Which I still think would be a nice direction for us to evolve in. I feel like my my favorite, pen- we've run across several penile adaptations through our extensive reading and alien romances. And I feel like my favorite is still the DACA from the Horde King books by jo- Zoe Draven. Because mm-hmm. they had a protrusion above the penis that vibrated. Yeah. And they had tails. And you know what? These aliens have tails too, but you don't ever hear, like, I don't remember in any of the sex scenes her describing them using their tails to, like, restrain their partner, which I am very into. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whenever I see, like, tails, mm-hmm. I get excited because I'm like, oh, yeah, tails. It's either going to be cute and it'll wrap around them, you know, mm-hmm. like when they're feeling possessive or they'll use it to hold them down or something like that. Mm-hmm. But it was mentioned twice i think i was very briefly mentioned about his tail mm-hmm. and that was it so i want to see him use the tail mm-hmm. yeah so harlow gets pregnant immediately yep first try first try there's a whole year time jump mm-hmm. can you imagine how tired you would get of seeing the same person every day all the time for a year the only person it's not like you got like any neighbors like you don't have any options it's just that person yeah and there's not i want to know what they do on a day-to-day basis because surely there's only so much hunting you can do right right i i don't know what they do on a day-to-day basis because you know i'm neither and i both work from home so we see each other all day every day but at least we can interact with other people if we need to but also we have games that we'll play together and that sort of thing what are they i guess maybe they came up with games they could do that didn't say i just want to know what you do on your day-to-day with the same person over and over and over again yeah how do you break up the monotony no idea she seemed happy she said you know oh yeah i mean she did she's been pregnant for a year and is suffering got the back pain got side pain dark circles under her eyes tired all the time compared with liz and rehosh so liz her friend shows up with her mate rehosh uh who incidentally is also rook's brother so we get some of rook's backstory liz shows up and is just the picture perfect pregnant person Uh uh-huh not a giant bump or anything is glowing still hunting and tracking things and is lively and joyful mm-hmm. yep and then we've got poor harlow poor harlow who's like <laughs> oh gosh a day and still has bags under her eyes yes oh <laughs> yeah bless her heart mm-hmm. Yeah. So Harlow is not taking well to the end of this pregnancy. She is struggling and uh, like passes out basically. And so Rook panics and Liz insists that they go back to the communal cave and they, they see, I think her name is her name. Malak. Yeah. Something like that. The, the healer, their healer basically. And, um, 
we find out a little bit about Rook's history. So Rook and Rehosh are brothers. Mm-hmm. And Rook's mom resonated with his dad, but she didn't love him. She had like a heart. Did they call it a heartmate or something? Yeah. A person that she loved. She didn't love his dad. And um, he was exiled. Their dad was exiled. Mm-hmm. And now I can't remember why. Well, he tried to steal her, didn't he? Uh, I Did he? I thought so. Maybe. That seems right. It wasn't really, yeah, I feel like it still wasn't completely clear. Yeah. Um, but he gets, but like exiling. Mm. So was he exiled because he stole her? Maybe I, that's I it. He was so, exiled because... because he stole her because it doesn't make sense to exile him mm. for stealing her and her be outside of the tribe too. Right, because she dies on the Kui hunt yes. for Rook. So, yeah. So I guess, like, he stole her. They were exiled with Rehosh, their other child. And he says that she eventually became happy with, like, the baby. Like, she was happy to be there when Rook arrived, mm-hmm. but died in the process of getting him a Kui. And... So their father returned, uh, oh shoot, Rehash to the tribe and Mm -hmm. bailed out with Rook. Yep. Poor Rehash. Yeah. And then brainwashed his kid a little bit, sounds like. Yeah. Their dad. Kind of made him think that the the aliens were bad, even though he was the bad guy. Yep. A little bit of indoctrination there, it sounds like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because all he would have heard until he was seven was about how they were bad, and he was never mm. able to form his own opinion because he had kept him away, and then when his dad died, he stayed away. Yeah. Yep. Uh, but Rook sucks it up and carries, and this scene was super sweet. He carries Liz, not Liz, he carries harlow the whole way back to the track like over three days ray hosh carries his pack and like the description of him packing up harlow stuff is really cute because he's like oh well she might want this pillow and she she worked really hard on this pillow too so she might want it mm-hmm. he's very thoughtful yeah about packing her things and carrying all of her pillows which ray hosh then ends up shouldering so that she he can carry harlow the whole way back yeah. Um, they have some tense interactions with Bechtel, the leader of their tribe. Yeah, you know what Bechtel said that annoyed me? He was like, what if she could have resonated with somebody here? You took yep. that away. I was scared. I was so annoyed by that, too. I highlighted it. Like, that's awfully <laughs> presumptuous. Mm-hmm. What if she didn't, though? Yep. Yeah. You stole that opportunity from someone else. Mm-hmm. I don't like your tone, sir. Nope. I don't like that at all. Do not appreciate that. No. Yeah. So they make it back to, I keep calling it camp, but I guess it's like a cave system. 
Yeah. You know, um, they make it back and the healer heals her. <laughs> Mm-hmm. she finally has the baby right she doesn't mm-hmm. have to wait doesn't actually have to wait too much longer thankfully yeah um and what i like about this is that so they put her in a squatting position instead of on her back with her feet up yep but, and i just i appreciate that i appreciate seeing that just because that is an easier way for women to give birth yes like, it is the whole on your back thing was developed to make it easier for doctors to help you but it's harder for the women woman yep so yep it is harder for the birthing person for sure and uh, blocks the natural movement that your sacrum and pelvis need to make to Mm -hmm. allow for the sacrum to get out of the way so that a baby can come out of your body when you birth on your back Mm -hmm. yeah yeah. Well, that's how women end up with, or birth givers, right? Um, end up with back problems afterwards. Too. Yeah, that can be a factor. I mean, there's a lot that could contribute to the back pain that people have after delivery, but um, there are so many different positions that people can deliver in, and they're just told like you have to deliver on their back. Mm, you always need to check out the hospital policy, right? Because mm-hmm. that might just be the doctor saying that. Yeah. There are some hospitals that limit the positions that people are allowed to labor and birth in, but there are a lot of positions that people can labor in. Squatting, hands and knees, bent over like a bolster or a ball, laying on your side. Mm -hmm. Birthing on your back usually increases back pain a lot. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes. You so right. Mm Mm-mm. And then I love Rook's reaction when he sees his son for the first time mm-hmm. because he goes, I'm I'm torn between thinking it's the ugliest thing ever, but the most wonderful. Yup. I highlighted that and laughed out loud. Mm-hmm. Me too. That's so accurate. People post babies, like pictures of their babies that are straight out the womb. And it's, I mean. I don't think newborns are cute. Like brand new newborns. They're no, not. They're all squished up. They're yeah, they're not. And it's nothing against like no. Like I, I respect the parent feeling like their baby is cute. You just that thing just came outside of your body. Mm-hmm. You spent all the time growing it. You contributed to its existence and things like that. Like, yes, you are entitled to feel every single way that you feel about that, baby. Mm-hmm. But I've never looked at a fresh newborn baby and thought, wow, that's cute. Yep. Same. Sorry. They're squished. They are. And they tend to be pretty purple. Yeah. Too. Sometimes they're covered in stuff. Their head's all pointy. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Their noses are squished sometimes too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. They get, it gets better. They get better. They do. They become cute after a little bit, but that, you know, right out of the body sort of thing that, yeah, you know, like right after she has her baby, she is like super anxious because someone in their, in her like friend circle before said something about Rook leaving. Mm -hmm. So he comes to her when she's had her baby and she's all like anxious thinking that he's about to bail out. Mm-hmm. 
because he is yeah i (laughs) i read that and when she because he's like i'm gonna leave the only way i'll be able to survive is knowing that you're happy and healthy here you know just whatever bullshit that men give in those situations and like i was so annoyed Mm -hmm. uh because so first of all then she kind of has to beg him be like no don't do this and i'm like that sucks to have to beg and if it was i was like fine get out you can't see your (laughs) son anymore and you can leave tonight yeah goodbye because i'm mm, mm -mm. no she just had the baby like that day almost Mm -hmm. i think and he shows up he's like so i'm gonna go yeah bye well and like all of the things up until this point where i can't live without harlow harlow is my heart she's my mate i love harlow i can't imagine being without harlow i'll do anything for harlow and then we get here and he's all um i don't know if i can do this yeah living with other people mm, i'll do anything but that (laughs) Yeah. Okay, meatloaf. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I feel the same way. Like, I don't, I, I think that's just like an avoidant attachment thing for me. Like, you don't need me. Well, fuck you. I don't need you either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was my. I didn't even want you in the first place. So go <laughs> get to getting. <laughs> Let me pack your bags for you. Let me help. Okay. I didn't even want to like you to start with. Okay. So bye. <laughs> Just prove me right. <laughs> I don't need you to hurt me. I can hurt myself just fine. But thanks. <laughs> that doesn't end up happening. Thankfully. They... Their baby, who is called, he's, they call him Rukar, which is a pretty cute name. They call him Rukar. He's not thriving because the air is poisonous. So they have to get him a kui, and they do. And, and Rehosh, Ruk's brother, like really comes through and is supportive. And all of the other people from the tribe are supportive too. And he realizes, you know, this is not what my dad told me it was going to be. The bad people aren't really bad people. They're good people and they're helpful and things like that. So maybe I could tolerate living amongst all these people. Well, I'm glad that he came to that conclusion. Although it would have been nice if he came to that conclusion based on, you know, caring for his mate and child but whatever you know whatever yeah so they stay Mm -hmm. they get a cave Mm -hmm. they cover it with shells and the lack of doors would probably drive me crazy so i get being bothered by that Mm -hmm. it would also be noisy and there would be people around all the time i get being bothered by that too but they stay Mm -hmm. live pretty much happily ever after yeah it's not mentioned, but I wonder if Harlow is going to have any more babies. Yeah. And if she does, are they going to be like high risk pregnancies? Mm-hmm. Because her cooey is still going to be fighting so hard to keep her alive. Yeah. Because there's no birth control. So. And she fertile. Mm-hmm. So. If they be. What is, I saw this quote one time that I, I really liked. It's like, if you're not doing anything to prevent pregnancy, you're trying to get pregnant. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, probably. It doesn't sound like there's anything else to do here but get pregnant anyway, so. 
That's true. Their days were probably just filled with having sex and making leather stuff. Yeah, probably so. I think I've read maybe like four or five books in this series. Mm-hmm. Of the books that I've read, Liz is my favorite character in all of them. She and her book with book. Rehosh was my favorite. She has the second book, I think. Second book. Yeah. Yeah, I liked her book. I, I think I've only read three. I read the first, the second, and the fourth. Yeah. I think that's all there's, I have to use. There's one that I read, and I can't remember whose book this is now. It might be a Hako's. He carves like a magnificent wooden dildo for the the female lead, and it's pretty great. That is fantastic. Yeah. Why does because she? she do that? Well, she won't have sex with him. Oh, but she still needs to appease the kid. And I don't think initially she resonates with him, but he's really attracted to her. Yeah, I think that's it. She doesn't resonate with him, at least initially, but she's really he's really attracted to her and she becomes attracted to him. So she carves him like a replica of his penis, carves mm-hmm. her a replica of his penis. Oh, that is very, I feel like on brand. For yes. Me. If they're going to get you a sex toy, it's going to be like a mold of their dicks. (laughs) It is the gift that keeps on giving (laughs) orgasms. So I suppose it's nice. Yeah. Do you have a favorite quote? Yeah, I had a quote. Um, I I just put, you are my heart. Rook says this several times Mm -hmm. to and about um, Harlow. And I just think that's sweet. It's really cute. Yeah. Anytime she says, I love you to him, he says that. It's it's pretty cute. Yeah. You're my heart, but I'm just going to abandon you when you have yeah. my kid. Bye. Because I have social anxiety. <laughs> <laughs> Crippling social anxiety. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All righty. Well, that wraps up Barbarian Mine by Ruby Dixon. Next time, we'll be discussing A Soul of Blood and Ash by Jennifer L. Armentrout. This is the fifth, I think, installment in the, or fourth? Fifth. Fifth installment in the From Blood and Ash series. And this one is told by Castile, or from Castile's perspective. So, different perspective on the events of that story. So, join us for that. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to Literary Quest. We hope you enjoyed our episode. If you'd like to follow us on social media, we can be found at Literary Quest Podcast on Instagram or Facebook. You're also welcome to share your thoughts and ideas with us via email at literaryquestpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks again.